York Central's taken down. Jordan Wilson. Garcia the run up. And the goal from Akeem Garcia. Bassett. There's support there. Tabla across. The opening goal. I think it's Malcolm Shaw who got the final touch. Looking forward. Trey, is that going to go? It's going to go into the back of the net. Verhoeven couldn't take on the responsibility. Might do this time. Does. Verhoeven might have just won it for Atletico Ottawa. Orszewski from the left side. It slips in behind Kamara. He's going to get it there. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Newsroom Show. Christian Jack alongside Charlie O'Connor Clark on this Monday. In the next hour, we will look back and recap one of the best Canadian Championship finals ever. And yeah. we will recap three games in the Canadian Premier League. Results this week in the league. Halifax won, York United nil. Akeem Garcia's 71st minute penalty was enough for the difference for the Wanderers. Atletico Ottawa continue to fly high. They beat Pacific by two goals to one. And Malcolm Shaw in the 62nd, Josh Hurd in the 82nd. And you just heard it there. Zach Verhoeven's winner in the 86th. Another late winner in the Canadian Premier League. We'll get to that in the next hour as well. And Bala won, FC Edmonton won. Mamadi Camera's 32nd goal looked like it was going to be the 32nd minute goal looked like it was going to be the winner. And in the end, Willie McKeo breaks FC Edmonton hearts with a 94th minute equalizer. Charlie, great to see you, my man. We were both at Tim Hortons Field on Saturday. We've been covering all the league as well. Lots to get into in Canadian soccer oh, yeah. circles in the next hour for sure. Uh, but we have to start with the game on Saturday night because we're all about starting with the highs here. In the end, it wasn't what the Canadian Premier League wanted. But your thoughts on this, you covered this in detail on our site and in many, many articles. Just overall, just a remarkable night for the sport in this country. It was. It really was. You know, we... We say that a lot, but I think this in this particular case, it was just an exceptional game. It was a very entertaining game. You know, I think first and foremost between these two teams. I mean, I think we we just have to say, I think Ford should have won this game. Right. Uh, I think they were the better team against a TFC side that came in with all of their, you know, at least all of their healthy uh, star players in this game. It's it's a lineup with Alejandro Pozuelo and Michael Bradley and. And, you know, Jesus Jimenez, all of these guys come in against a Forge team that is really struggling with injuries right now. I think Bobby Smirniota said a couple of times they had, you know, a first choice backline uh, in the stands for this game yeah. because of all the injuries they're, they're working with. But they were unbelievable in this match. Uh, you know, it's just to see TFC come out of halftime and, and that's the only real part of the game that they dominate. They score and in two minutes, 13 seconds later, Forge are back on the board. They've equalized. Uh, incredible cup final. You know, it, it doesn't get much more dramatic than penalties. Uh, I think either way it could have gone, it would have been redemption from the penalty spot for one of these sides. But uh, it turns out it's TFC. But at the end of the day, you know, another another thrilling chapter in the history of that Voyagers Cup. I think. Oh, I, I'd say um, thirteen thousand plus crowd on a beautiful Saturday night in the summer uh, in Ontario. Not too hot, but just a beautiful night for football. Um, and you know, and we have to say that, you know, as you mentioned, the fact that Toronto FC didn't play at their best, but took the lead, but then yeah. Forge found a way to score after they missed the penalty by Tristan Borges in the first half. 
to come back. I think most people thought that night when Pozuelo scored from with his left foot and he danced around uh, the defenders and a typical brilliant individual goal. <laughs> as he celebrated, and by the way, the celebration is significant because yes, Pozuelo goes to is. Bob Bradley and that's significant in a lot of ways. Bob Bradley's emotions after the goal is significant because if you don't believe that they wanted that badly, then watch that again and you will get changed your mind instantly. That club wanted that badly. They have not won a trophy yeah. for almost four years. Uh, they needed something like that that night. Um, that We say that because of the way that Forge went at them knowing just how much Toronto FC wanted it. Pozuelo scored the goal and I think most people inside that stadium thought, ah, okay. Forge there it is. a good battle. There it yeah. is. Now here we go, right? Now here we go. Uh, that's what genuinely happens in cup games, right? But yeah. much like in Halifax, and we bring that up for a reason because we have to compare CPL to MLS, Toronto FC went ahead and Halifax came back. And so the, not only is the Canadian Premier League team's gap to MLS getting closer, they are also now becoming more resilient. And the belief mm -hmm. of these Canadian Premier League teams in-game is definitely, definitely getting stronger. They're not just wilting when they go behind. They're now finding ways to come back into the game and go on again. And I thought that was really significant. Borges's goal was significant, not because he just missed the penalty, but because he had a very good game. He needed the individual moment. He just scored a hat-trick in midweek in the Canadian Premier League. And it just came at a crucial time, as you alluded to, two minutes, 13 seconds. Massively crucial time, Charlie, at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing to me that maybe highlights this is just the quality or the differing kinds of quality that we see in both goals. You know, the Pozuelo goal, uh, again, that could have been the moment that sort of separates these levels because you see him come to his left. I don't think there's a player nearly as two-footed as him in the CPL level, right? right? So a lot of defenders are expecting maybe him to put it back on his right, but he obviously curls it in with his left. Uh, but then, you know, at the other end, that's a very clever tactical goal. My favorite part of that Borges goal is actually... Alex Ashinyoti Janssen's little run into the box to draw mm. Cozy Thompson's attention and leave Tristan Borges completely unmarked. And just that kind of tactical intelligence that Forge have and that that little bit of quality and then obviously to take it on the volley, that's the moment where, you know, the level comes right back up to the same. And and from there, it's it's just a fascinating, fascinating battle between these teams. Yeah, Forge played their part. We'll get into them in a second. Um you were there writing for it. I was there covering it. Here's my interview after the game with Toronto FC's winning captain, his fourth Canadian championship they lifted. Here's Michael Bradley. With the man who just lifted his fourth Canadian championship, Michael Bradley, how does that feel? Yeah, really good. Uh, for this team and, and for, for the club right now, this was an important night. Um, you know, a lot of... A lot of young guys getting their first taste of a of a of a cup final, um, and look, we're 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 growing, we're 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 learning learning on the on the job in, in a lot of ways, right? And so it's uh, nights like this, the experience that comes with it, um, the the feeling of of success, that part is that part's big. What about the game, Michael? A lot of people saying what a fantastic final it was back and forth. What did you think? It was a great final, man. It, it, it was, you know, uh, all the credit and respect in the world to, to Forge. They, they, they went after it. They played. They, they, tried, to, they tried to go for it. Uh, we tried to do the same. And so, you know, for, uh, for anyone here tonight, I think, I, I hope they enjoyed it because it was, it was uh, 
it was a it was a really good final. I spoke to your dad about this. What was the heart rate like at 90 minutes when the penalties come? Because you've lived through some ones that haven't gone your way. Yeah, look, we our 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 history um, our history as a club in in penalty shootouts is in. Uh, isn't great so to to be able to win one like this was uh was was important in a lot of ways so um you know we 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 worked on it we've, we've worked on them a little bit lately we worked on them specifically yesterday um in a in a little bit of a different way um and so i think again it uh it's a, it's a, it's important because you have to be able to win in different ways another winner's medal for you michael congratulations thanks christian Tony on Twitter says, what a game this was. Electric atmosphere with the classic Hamilton-Toronto rivalry and terrific build-up all week. Heartbroken about the result, but the Forge did everything Hamilton could be proud of by stepping up and delivering a thrilling performance worthy of the QEW rivalry. Couldn't have said any better. Uh, great to hear from Tony. Uh, if you've got anything else to say about the game, let us know all on social media or in the comments section here on the live show if you are watching live. Uh, with more from Reaction from Tim Hortons Field, let's go back there. Here's my chat. Uh, with the Toronto FC coach. Bob, it was close. You won it. How's it feel? Huh, it's great to win a cup. And I'm, I'm really happy for the guys in the club, the supporters. Uh, it was a hard game. Uh, but sometimes to win a cup, you just got to hang in and keep going and going. So uh, penalties, uh, I thought guys stepped up and did really well. What was the mood going into the penalties? I know this club's lost a lot over the last few years. You've changed that. You weren't here for that. But what was the feeling coming into the kicks? No, we were confident. Uh, I think we, we talked a little bit about it yesterday. We were hoping that we could finish the game uh, in 90-plus, but we still felt that if it goes to penalties, come on, be really strong and positive, step up, and we can do it. What does it mean to you to win this? No, it's for the club and, and the players. Uh, look, we're, we're working really hard. There's still moments where the football goes up and down and up and down, but we've got to keep developing the mentality as a group of um, competing in a real way. We'll make our football better over time, and uh, it's special tonight to still see these guys uh, in a few minutes get that cup. Final one for you, Bob. You've much traveled in this world. What was this like tonight to watch this final? A Canadian Premier League team versus an MLS team. The competitive out there, how, how good the quality was. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, look, I, I've been fortunate. I've seen uh, the Cups in a few different countries, and I know that when you play against a, a team from the lower league, um, <laughs> they have everything to play for. I said in all the, the press leading up to the game that, for me, Forge is an experienced team. Uh, they went through CONCACAF Nations League. They got into CONCACAF Champions League. You saw the way they played against teams like Cruz Azul. So we knew coming here was going to be really hard. They played good football, and, uh, you know, we knew that we had to really uh, stick together and find a way to get a win here. And you did it. Congratulations. Enjoy. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Charlie, let's get into this. Michael Bradley and Bob Bradley are not only related, but they're both not ones for hyperbole. No. Uh, right? They don't, they're don't. they not going to give compliments if they don't need to give compliments. They're not going to say things if they don't need to say them. Both incredibly complimentary, as the entire TFC franchise was, by the way, organization towards Forge. Bob Bradley, there, I asked him that question for a reason. A man traveled all over the world, coached all over the world, um, you know, yeah. different continents, and then to come out like that. Just, I think just pivotal, no, for the way that this league is set up now to have moments like that. Yeah, it didn't go Forge's way, but to have these players say what they're saying about Forge in this league, um, it just, just goes to show how far we've come in just a short amount of time, surely. 
Absolutely. I mean, the the kind of I mean, almost reverence with which they spoke about Forge leading into the game. You know, Bob Bradley's absolutely right. Forge have played a lot more knockout football than that TFC club have in recent recent years. You know, and and he again, as you mentioned, he's seen cup football over the all over the world. He knows how important it is to have that experience and to know how to win in those difficult, those mm. fine margins kinds of games. So I think that TFC had no choice but to take that extremely seriously against a team who has been in games like this has come very close. They obviously came very close against Montreal in the semifinal last year and obviously CONCACAF all over, all over the continent they've played. So I think as you know, for, for TFC's uh, point of view, they're a very young team and and learning how to win at a, a young age, uh, a young kind of stage in their development is very good for them. Uh, but again, very, very good for Forge and for the CPL to, be able to deliver those performances and to evoke that kind of response from an MLS club. Yeah, great point, Charlie. I'll, I'll say this too. You know, I've had the pleasure of covering Toronto FC on and off since the start of made mainly on since they were born. Um, <laughs> they haven't always been this way, and I'm not pointing fingers, but what a terrific sporting organization! I thought they handled the whole final, the preparation up to it, the respect of the final, the way that they played their best players the way that they went about respecting Tim Horton's field and traveling there, the players who weren't fit came and the high-profile players came and did everything they needed to do. Uh, very sporting and, and I thought very gracious towards the Canadian Premier League and the build-up and certainly even more so after. If they didn't have the respect yeah. before, which they did, uh, Forge earned it um, uh, and, and got that on the pitch as well. So just a terrific all-around good-feeling game, which is what sport's supposed to bring and make people feel good. I know Forge fans, it didn't feel good and that hurt. Um, talking about her, I want to play this clip for you next. I thought this was a really important clip. Uh, let's hear from Bobby Smirniotis after this one. Energy. It was in that word. Uh, really, it's uh, something we lacked uh, last week. And if we had it, uh, that game would be in, uh, in play um, because that's what you need to bring to these games. Um, you know, and, and when you talk about sometimes the differences between CPL, MLS, uh, you talked about the difference in the Premier League and the championship. What it is is the volume that happens in that match. That's really what it comes down to, the pace that it's played there. Uh, it's why in Champions League, and I'll reference a club that I like very well, Olympiacos, who, uh, who wins a lot of titles in Greece but plays in Champions League, and it's a much different thing because you're playing at one speed in one league, and then it goes up 10 notches. So you need to have energy in these games. You need to make sure that you're on top of every first and second ball, whether you win them or not. Um, there's no downtime, especially in a championship match. And that's, a, that's the biggest difference. It's not so much uh, the level of the players. A few of them for, for TFC are, are quite good, and we know their, their level. Um, but you tell me if there's a player on Forge that doesn't play in MLS. We can have that discussion here, and we'll sit down, and we'll put a board up, and, because the majority of them do. You know, I don't know what role they play, and it all depends on, on a coach. Um, right? But you need to bring the energy in these games because the volume is higher that the players are used to uh, at that end, and that's what we needed, and that's what we didn't have last week. And if you don't have it, the result is simple. Another man who's not known for hyperbole, and he's bang on, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, he forges dominance, and it has been dominant in the Canadian Premier League for the first two seasons. And again, most of last season, though they didn't lift the trophy, has been around a lot of areas, but complete and utter midfield control. And I thought their midfield with Soko and Becker and Ajapon, they found the balance they needed, and they were brilliant in this game. Much like against Montreal last year at home when they lost on penalties, when goalies missed. But when Forge are at their best, their midfield ticks. And that's the way that they mm -hmm. played on Saturday night, Charlie. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's interesting because in the game in Montreal last week, the midfield was actually a weak spot for them. Yeah. And I think they identified that. They they fixed it. They had to get Sissoko back into midfield from playing right back previously. And he was unbelievable so in this good. game. Unbelievable. You, you talk about you talk about forge players who could play in MLS. That's probably one of them. Um, but yeah, we I, I kind of asked Bobby about it as well. The way that Sizoko and Becker were able to kind of rotate through their positions in midfield, Sizoko often a little bit higher up, it really kind of neutralized TFC's ability to, to play in midfield. Uh, Sizoko took a lot of Michael Bradley's attention, which made so much space for, for Kyle Becker uh, to just kind of operate in those spaces, find the balls. Uh, you know, Even in the Halifax game, for instance, Bob Bradley spoke about how he had to put Jonathan Osorio on at halftime because when it's just Bradley out there, uh, two midfielders can kind of neutralize him, right? They didn't yeah. have Osorio to come into this game. And so Sizoko and excuse me, Sizoko and Kyle Becker are just able to kind of run around him and one of them's always in space. You know, it's you know Sizoko manages to find that little pocket to set up the Borges goal. He also played the pass through to Taryn Campbell for that breakaway a little bit later, which also hurts that he wasn't able to score. But yeah, in general, this was a very, very impressive midfield performance from that Ali Jabberpour as well was kind of at the base of it, keeping things safe. But those those three in midfield for Forge are going to be very scary in the CPL. During the first half, there was an injury stoppage, and Alejandro Pozuelo ran over to the bench and had a chat with Michael uh, with Michael Bradley with Bob Bradley. And at that point, I noticed a massive tactical shift. After that, Pozuelo got mm-hmm. deeper and deeper, and he couldn't get the ball in a higher position because of what yeah. you just said. Everything, so he had to dictate the the play from a deeper position. At times, he was playing almost as a six. Pozuelo, mm-hmm. you know, this is a player who thrives in Major League Soccer as a ten and couldn't get the space as a ten in a final. Um, so he got deeper and deeper to get the ball. And there's lots of moments in the game where he's literally playing next to Michael Bradley and he's spraying yeah. the ball and, and, and he's getting deeper because he had to feel the ball and get involved in the game. He doesn't score a goal like that if he doesn't get the ball and get as many touches as he got. So that's a tactical shift. They did credit him and credit Bradley for doing it, but credit Forge uh, for, for that as well. Uh, we're not finished on this game. I want to finish on this game and finish on a, a, on the show that way as well. We'll bookend that. I want to talk a little bit about penalties. We'll do the kicks at the end. Let's bring in Benedict Rhodes, who was at the game, but also covered a crucial CPL game for us on the weekend. Benny, before we get to the CPL game and your reaction to Valor Edmonton, um, you were at Tim Hortons Field, and I know you spoke to the coaches afterwards. Uh, your overall thoughts on this as you covered that for us as well with the reaction from the coaches and players. Yeah, as you guys sort of said, it's a game that, you know, both sets of fans have been waiting for a long time, right? Like, since since the CPL was announced, really, we wanted to see Forge versus TFC, and I think this game really lived up to it. I think, you know, both teams were pretty evenly matched. As Charlie said, uh, Forge were, you know, probably the better team. Bobby Smirniotis said himself they were the most dominant team on the field for the entire 90 minutes, and and it's hard to disagree with them, right? Like, he Forge kind of like, controlled things in midfield. They had, had a number of good chances. A couple of them didn't come off, unfortunately. You mentioned the Terran Campbell breakaway in particular. Yeah. Uh, Tristan Borges got the performance with the match, and, and rightly so as well. He's had a fantastic week. His sort of revitalization, I guess, of him over the last couple of weeks has been really important for Forge. And I think, you know, the result, the, the way the, the way the result ended up was disappointing for Forge, but with a performance like that, as Bobby said after the game, you're going to win a lot of games in the CPL, and, and you're going to be a very, very good team. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, you did double duty for us this weekend, Saturday night at Tim Hortons. Sunday, obviously, you had the Valor FC Edmonton game. Um, as we roll the highlights in, what were your overall thoughts on this one as FC Edmonton get so close uh, but didn't get the three points? Yeah, he said so close but so far, right? Like they they were 
strong defensively. And, you know, as Edmonton have shown all season, they're not going to go down without a fight, right? Like, they're, they're in tough circumstances, as we all know, of course, but that's not going to stop them. And, and Alan Koch has said repeatedly that, you know, this team has the, you know, wherewithal, I guess, to, to keep fighting every single game and, and trying to make things happen. And and we saw it again with this goal in particular, Gabby Vitar, as you see on the screen now, like, it's just a fantastic goal, starting from his own half, going the length of the field, and there to Kamara to, to finish it off. And and uh, we'll talk, about, I'm sure, about what a player he is. But Edmonton in this game, just from, from minute one to minute 93 and 59 seconds, we're, we're the better team, I think, in this game. And, and, and Valor maybe had more chances, but they weren't able to take advantage of them. And Edmonton did take advantage of their best chance. Yeah, it's you know as we we roll the highlight here of of this goal, uh, this kind of the, the exact kind of goal that Edmonton need to score in transition like this. But you know you mentioned him already, Benedict Gabby Batar. What a player this guy is becoming for FC Edmonton. You know, a striker in university has played probably three or four different positions for the Eddies this uh, this season. Benedict, what have you made of of him, especially in this game, but also how he's kind of developed with his club? Yeah, I think, you know, he's one of these players in this, he's been in the CBL before. He maybe didn't have the opportunities he would have wanted in, in 2019, but now he's come in and, and he's he's playing a bit more of an increased role. I think, you know, this season for a lot of Edmonton players is sort of a tryout um, to kind of, you know, prove they belong in the CPL. And I think I think Gabby Batar has done exactly that uh, so far this season. He's played as a striker. He's played on the, on the wings. He's played in midfield. He's a little bit deeper in this game. And, and you know, a goal like that, he started near his own corner flag. Uh, played a couple, didn't show on the highlight, unfortunately, but he, he played a couple of passes and went the length of the field. And, you know, it takes some some skill to do that, dance around a couple of players as well. Um, and, and you know, when you have a player who can who can make a difference like that, just a split second uh, and, and find these spaces and make these things happen, you know, you're going to be a, a good team and and take advantage of these chances and, and you know, maybe hopefully for Edmonton to win a couple of games. Yeah, Batar is their technical leader. You can just see it when you watch him, right? How he just touches the ball and controls the ball. Um, great points, Benedict. Um, Difficult one for Alan Koch, no doubt. You go there, you play the way you think you're going to win the game. Um, difficult year. They've still obviously not got that crucial win that they need, but they've been involved in a lot of games and involved in a lot of late goals for and against. This time it went against with Akio's 94th-minute equaliser. Here are the thoughts after this one of the FC Edmonton bus. Uh, we just said to our team, we're going to win eventually. Um, I think in football and in life sometimes... When you go through difficult moments, it seems like uh, that's all that gets thrown at you every single day. Um, but I think the whole world can see the resilience of our group, players and staff. We, we come to work and we're going to keep on pushing. Uh, and Very, very disappointed for the players because they did everything we asked them to do today. Their effort was out of this world. Um, the, the individual effort, the willingness to work and be selfless uh, for what we asked them to do in the game plan, uh, was fantastic, uh, and I thought the guys did a very, very good job of executing it. And the game is obviously uh, details and moments, uh, and unfortunately one moment right at the end cost us, uh, very similar to when we played Valor before, one moment cost them right at the end. Um, so I guess there's a little bit of justice from that perspective, uh, but I was very, very proud and very, very happy with the performance of our players today. Once again, a pretty measured and honest approach from Alan Koch after this one. Some love for FC Edmonton in the chat. Jeff says, Bitar is probably the biggest revelation in the league so far this season. C-Mac adds, CPL is all about opportunity. Glad Bitar is getting a shot and not struck down the depth chart. Absolutely right. 
bang on you are right we get to watch him every week and it's such a treat it's such a treat right now to get that opportunity talking of opportunities we thought valor were flying high weeks ago after a 6-1 win in ottawa since then goals have been very difficult to come by they did finally get one as you saw in the highlights here is their goal scorer off this one william mckeel uh not really frustration it was like they're giving us the ball we had lots of possession and uh it was just it's kind of annoying when we can't we can't produce especially when they sit back and you know they they sit so far back and they want to what's the park the bus and everything on us and we, we can't get anything out of it so that was kind of frustrating but other than that i feel like we did all right final one for you bandit before we bring in mitchell what is it about valor is it about is it just that that they're getting frustrated with deep teams i mean i think about since the, it's been difficult for them to score ray has got his two screamers four dice from a set piece um you know again yesterday keel finally breaks the dam at 94th minute but I guess is the onus on them and subsequently Phil DeSantis to try and find a way around this when teams are defending that way against them? Uh, I think it is because you know, if that's the way that they're not going to be able to score, then every team's going to do it, right? Like uh, Edmonton knew that Valor liked to attack and, and liked to have the ball, and, and they kind of just let them and, and made sure that they did their job in, in stopping them. And I think Phil said after the game, like with Akio in particular, that uh, you know he, he obviously is a good player. He obviously makes things happen, but the, the next step for him is learning how to beat these teams like he, he can dribble past the player but now he needs to, to do that and turn that into an assist or a goal which he, he did well against ottawa but he's maybe struggled a little bit uh in other games sometimes this season and and uh that's that's definitely the next step for this team is you know turning turning these these opportunities in, into wins and and turning losses into draws and, and draws into wins and kind of taking the next step and, and pick up some more points thanks about great work this weekend appreciate it we'll chat with you next week thanks guys Charlie, before we bring in Mitchell, what are your thoughts on Valor? They're a very inconsistent team. And, and as Jeff says in the chat here, sometimes just have those defensive breakdowns that I guess don't allow them to win games even when they get the one goal. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I, I think the one thing that, that will hopefully soon help them kind of uh, eliminate some of those defensive lapses and mistakes is if, you know, if, if Andrew Jean-Baptiste is starting week in, week out, uh, which which it sounds like he might be able to soon. He played. He started this game. Uh, ultimately, came out because it sounded like he was cramping a little bit. But you know, we all know what he provides at the back—that kind of consistency and, and calmness. But yeah, again, I think inconsistent is a good word for this Valor team when they seem to find a rhythm, like they did in Ottawa. Obviously, who you know at that point in the season were actually playing as as a bit of a lower lower sitting team at times. But they found the breakthrough early, and then from there, the momentum and, and the you know, the, the chemistry is just there for the rest of the 90 minutes. But sometimes when it doesn't go their way at the start of the game, they, you know, start kind of looking a little bit, a little bit more panicked for different ideas and they just don't come and, and you get in your head a little bit when balls aren't going in the net. So, uh, you know, they'll be very happy to have finally found one in this game and to, to yeah. get that point, which is a very important one. But uh, yeah, I, I think there are, you know, a couple little things that they're going to need to, to try out to just maybe unlock those defenses a little bit quicker and earlier in games yeah good point so let's bring in our man in uh ottawa who covered this game anyway I, mitchell tierney and you know what your run continues my friend <laughs> you're just getting absolute brilliant games every single week i was like watching this game and i'm like i just knew something was gonna happen it's your game that's mm -hmm. how it happened uh and you wrote and i thought it was perfect atleti put the rest of the cpl on notice with a dominant home performance against the league leaders. That is a strong statement. Let's roll the highlights. Atletico Ottawa 2, Pacific 1. Shaw scored. Uh, Heard got the equalizer. Verhoeven got the winner. 
talk us through this and why you went with that CPR notice because that's pretty significant. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously it's been a, a historic for, for the club a couple of weeks for, for Atletico Ottawa. They're coming off a, a historic back-to-back road results um, as or road wins as they picked up wins against Valor and Edmonton. And then they come home against the, the league leaders and for the second straight match at uh you know, TD Play Stadium against Pacific. They were the better side throughout the match. They um, were aggressive. They created far more chances. They really didn't allow Pacific to do much at all in attack. So I think this was a game where, again, Ottawa have been, you know, pushing up there near that that playoff spot. But this was a game where they put themselves in that conversation with Calvary and Pacific to be towards the top of the table. And, you know, this is a group that has depth they have a very very good system that everyone seems to be buying into and they've got genuine stars in this team as well yeah i just before i i ask you a question mitch by the way i think that's a handball on josh heard but uh and part of that is it's you know it's almost good that they didn't lose the match on that yeah or draw the match on that because that would have been a tough one especially with how last time went against pacific yeah it, it ended up not making a difference but uh yeah, I, I think something that, that I think was important in this game, Mitchell, I think we spoke about it a little bit during the game, was just the difference in midfields for this game. You know, we, we've been gushing about Ali Bassett a lot in the middle of that Ottawa midfield. And, and meanwhile, you know, across the pitch from them, Pacific's midfield, generally very good, is clearly really missing Manny Aparicio at the moment, right? So, Mitchell, just how much was that kind of the difference in this game, especially just the quality that either team had in midfield? Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting one because Ottawa went with more of a 4-1-4-1 that kind of morphed into a 4-3-3 when they were in attack versus the pretty strict 4-4-2 mm-hmm. they've gone with so far. And this did a couple of nice things for them. It brought Balu Tabla and Ollie Bassett very close together and those two were able to, to operate well, but it also really clogged up that midfield. And Pacific, they didn't intentionally do this. This wasn't their plan, but they kept trying to go over the top and those balls were overcooked consistently. They were... Um, they went out of bounds and James Merriman spoke after the match about how dis, you know, disappointed he was with his club, that they weren't more patient in possession against an Ottawa team that they knew were, were going to do that. And they just didn't quite have the midfield operators to, to link up their, their backline and attack. So, um, yeah, I think that was, that was a massive part in what, how this game played out. A real, a really significant game, uh, a significant game for the league. I can see tons of Ottawa fans in the chat. Otto says um, he felt honestly like history was made at the club. A significant result in Atletico's young tenure, arguably the most significant. Uh, Thomas is gushing about the team from a collective point of view in the chat as well. Jeff says what's changed and clicked for Ottawa uh, Atleti lately that's allowed them to run a match against the league leaders. Uh, there's tons of that. We're going to get into that with their coach in a second, Carlos Gonzalez. Before we hear Mitchell's points of view, uh, let's go back to TD Place after this one and hear from the winner. Again, here's Zach Lahope. Yeah, I think just the, the the thoughts I'm thinking right now is just so happy we won, honestly. I, was, I think it was one of our best performances as a group. So I think just getting the three points and the atmosphere we had today was just unbelievable. And to come on and play a role for the team, it, it, it means a lot to me individually just to get that goal. But um, just thinking about just the three points and knowing we're solidifying ourselves at the top. Great words from a good player again, by the way. What a performance he had coming off the bench. Uh, Paddy says, I was at TD Place on Sunday and Section W was insane, absolute passion for the boys and stripes. Mitchell, talk to us a little bit about that because 
you know, we know all around the world that fans make a big difference in this, right? You know, they mm-hmm. they win, they should have won the game. They go, they're winning one nil. They equalize Pacific, but then they needed another lift. And that we've said a lot on this show this year when we talk about Ottawa winning games. That was not going to happen last year. And this is, again, the same thing. Ottawa would not have won that game last year because the belief, the quality, the coaching, whatever you want to say, was not there in play. Talk to us about what happened the moment they conceded to then go another level and find that goal for them. What did you see in your analysis? Yeah, I mean, that's that's absolutely critical for for so many reasons, obviously, to... This is what happened last time they played Pacific. Was they they had they were on the front foot the entire game. Then they get that gut punch with with Diaz scoring in that match. And while they come back and and put in a good effort, they're not able to to get the equalizer and then ultimately the winner. And this happens again and again in controversial fashion, which I don't think should be overturned because you know they certainly felt they were hard done by the fact that it looked like a handball on Josh Hurd, but they're able to mentally turn around and still get that goal and. One thing about this Ottawa side is they're really starting to show some depth here. This was a long week for them. They had to travel out to, to Winnipeg, but now they have Verhoeven who can come off the bench. They've got Hayworth who can come off, or Howard they can come off the bench. They've got a couple of, a, a, you know, Wright came off the bench as well in this match. Like they've got, especially in attack, some, some different options and looks here. And, you know, that allows them to play that kind of tiring system that they do, that hardworking system, and also gives them a, a second boost. And like you said, the, the, the crowd atmosphere at TV place was excellent. There's there's a, something special brewing there in the, the capital. I love it. Absolutely love it. It's yeah. great. It feels really good that they're coming hard and strong and that putting the league on notice. I love that you said that. Let's repeat that again. Mitchell's headline, Atleti put the rest of CPL on notice with a dominant home performance against the league leaders slash champions as well. Uh, Mitchell Tinney, yeah. great work. You read his, uh, his stuff at campiel.ca. We'll speak to you next week. Thanks again, Mitch. Thank you, guys. Great stuff. Uh, before we bring on the head coach, Carlos Gonzalez, we want to share with you uh, their locker room reactions after this one. Here it is. Third, third win in the row, in a row, okay? First time in history, three wins in a row. Yeah? <laughs> and, 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 and I think the player that deserves more to put this great W is a worker. Works, pays. Work, pays. Back metal. scenes let's bring in that man there carlos gonzalez from the locker room from atletico ottawa carlos got a smile on his face it's monday another win uh how are you feeling great to see you thanks for joining us thank you very much hello well uh, you can see i feel great i think that uh, all the team is feeling great uh, after a big win after nine points from nine so i think that uh, nothing can be better at the moment 
We we saw just what it meant to you guys in that locker room there, though. Like, I maybe just to start, Carlos, are you able to explain what the uh, the W on the board is? It, se- it seems like there's 15 up there. There's 15 wins, kind of a target you guys set at the start of the year. Yeah, these are like an initiative from from the club, from from Fernando, from us, uh, to create a little bit of challenge to the to the players. And well, this is like a, our trip, uh, the process that is going to start like three months ago, and it's going to finish in hopefully in November. So uh, this is the idea to encourage them to to give them like little little uh, well things so that they can keep motivating and not only inside the field also outside the field let's talk about that motivation carlos before you joined us we were talking about how your team found another gear at 1-1 and went on and earned that win you've got a lot of late goals this season there's a lot of late drama in fact i think 25 percent of the goals this season in the cpl have come in the last 10 minutes of games so it's it's league wide but your team is certainly doing a great job of it um what was your feeling at when when they scored Pacific, and what did you see from your team that found that next level to go out and get that win on Sunday? Well, uh, the goal was a, a little bit strange goal, uh, so everybody was like uh, thinking, "Oh, again!" But uh, you know, we are in a in a moment now. We are in a stage that uh, our, mentally we're we're so strong. I think that these these two wins uh, in Winnipeg and in Edmonton has has had created uh, to the team that that we uh, don't stop believing. So uh, I think that also we know that we have great tools from, from the bench, people that are going out and impact, uh, impacting the game. Uh, I think that the, the whole group is doing a great job. And uh, we knew that we were going to have uh, some more chances to, to score again. Uh, I felt that we did a very complete game, uh, a game in which we were, we were more dominant than Pacific uh, and a game that we were solid also. They didn't create much to us. And uh, we had the best the best chances to to score. So so that was what happened. That we we flow with the with the energy also of the of the fans that they did a great job and and they give like uh, this last impulse for for the team. So so that we score again. So it was a a lovely way to to finish the game and to win. Absolutely, Carlos. You've been in charge of this team now for ten games, nine in the league and one in the cup. Just when you think back to kind of where you guys started in preseason and in Madrid, uh, how far have you seen this group come? How much have improvement have you seen in just this these couple months here? Well, I've seen a great improvement, but you know, I'm I, I'm not surprised about it because uh, from the first day we knew that we had talent, and this is the best the best thing that you can have uh, in every position. So once you have talent, the only thing you have to do is create the appropriate mentality and then work really hard, you know, and from the first day we are, we are working on this on, on create first a solid team with, which has a great basics. You know, I analyzed a lot of last year, what happened and, and we wanted to go into, into the more important point that was the solidness from start, create a solid group, a competitive group, a group that, that have a, a team thought uh, and, uh, and, and this is the the track that we are going through the through the first day. Also, we are developing the talent. Also individually, I think that we are growing. I think that in each time we are knowing better uh, the players individually. So we are trying to put them in the in the position where they can feel more comfortable and they can they can perform better to the team. So I think that this is the formula that we are we are creating. 
Carlos, when you arrived on Canadian shores, many people didn't really know a lot about you, but your your resume is fantastic. I want to lean on when you were at Malaga and then obviously at, at Atletico Madrid, your experience with young players. Um, I mean, you're a relatively young coach anyway, but what did that teach you about how to manage young players? Canadian Premier League is full of young players, right? And the ups and downs that comes with young players. What did you learn when you're developing young Spanish players and young players there that you're now using here in Canada? Yeah, well, the first thing is is to organize the, their brain a little bit because sometimes this is the main problem. You know, they are young players with big, big talent and uh, sometimes the surroundings don't help much. And, uh, and so the first thing that you have to go is to their brains, uh, win them so that they can trust you that they see you, that you are in their side, that you are you, the only thing that you want is to help them to, to, to be better. And uh, this is the, the first point. After this, of course, it's all about analyzing uh, what can we improve of them and, and, and of course, selecting the way of, of, of how to do it. But uh, it's true. It's true that uh, working with young boys, sometimes it's more difficult, it's harder than, than working with with adult players that they have clear ideas now what they want and uh, and sometimes it's, it's more simple to to uh, bring out the performance out of them absolutely i you know while while you're here carlos i just want to ask get your take on a player that we've spoken about so many times on this podcast and gushed about uh ollie bassett last year at pacific uh he played on the wing sometimes he's a 10 sometimes this year he's been a little bit uh deeper in in the squad just what did you see from him before you brought him in that that made you want to want to add him to this team and just how impressed have you been with his just ability and the role he's played this season well i saw two things especially uh, the way he approached the games uh, i thought that he has a an special mentality he's he's very ambitious and he's very competitive he's the type of guy that that always want to win so this is the type of, of players or, or the type of mentality that we are looking for uh, ambitious mentality after this, of course, he has a, a special talent with the ball. He is a player that that uh, when we are able to keep the ball, he gives many solutions to the team. And now, as I said, we are trying to to find the, the better spaces for for each of the players. And I think that with Oli, we are we are now we've we've got that that position in which he feels comfortable uh, with certain freedom, but at the same time being organized and and be being committed with the team. So I think that this is the line that we are we are working with, not only with Oli, also with with a lo- lot of the players, with many of the players. And, and Carlos, what what's Drew Becky like for you in terms of being a coach when you've got a player like that who's almost an extension of leadership in the dressing room? And I know he missed a ton of games early because of the red card, and I'm, I'm sure that was very difficult for him. But mm. what's it like having a leader like that, just a first-class human being, being able to control the dressing room? Yeah, he's he's like another coach, but inside the field, he's a facilitator. You know, he he makes things easier for for the staff. Uh, he's a great guy, uh, first like a human, a great guy that that always improves the the weather and the atmosphere of the of the of the locker room. And also, he's a a good defender, a great defender with with a lot of capacities. That is not only giving the the best for the team, also he's helping the young players so that they can develop. So. I think that they are like two type of players, players that add to the team and players that multiply. And I feel that Dubeki can be one of these players that multiply to the team. Absolutely. You know, I, Carlos, as, as we mentioned earlier, you know, you've seen the game all over the world in so many different places. So I just, I wanted to ask you, I hear just, you, you came to Canada, you came to Ottawa. Just what, 
has your impression of it been now that you've been here for a few months you we've got some games we're right kind of in the middle of the season what has your impression been of of you know the game here of, of the club in Ottawa of the city of, of everything since you've been here well the impression is great I think that um, first of all the level of of the of the football here is improving daily by day by day you know I think that You've seen it in the last results when when the teams of of the CPL measure their level against the MLS teams that there there isn't a big gap and that things are are getting very near. So I think that the the league is in in the right track. And also, of course, I'm impressed of of the of the people of the surroundings on on the atmosphere, the the, the way that that the Canadian people are starting to lead football. Uh, I've been impressed about that. And uh, of course, about the city, about about the club, I knew that I was going to come to a to a great club uh, with a great ex- structure, with a, with an ambition, mentality. That was what I was what I was uh, looking for. And uh, at the moment, you know, everything is good, but we also have to stay humble. We have to we have to know that the reality is we've only played one third of the season, or nearly one third of the season. That one uh, three weeks ago. We were like one month without winning, uh, so I think that we have to to stay stable, to to keep on doing what what is giving us the result, that is working hard every single day, and and continuing with with this ambition and with this mentality. I knew you were going to go there. That was my next question, so I won't even bother. That's up to, that. Let us do the talking, right? We'll talk you off, and you guys can stay humble inside the dressing room. That's our job, right, Carlos? Just leave it to yeah. us to talk you up. But honestly, it's been great. We, we've loved watching you guys. You're flying high. Uh, we can't thank you enough for choosing to come to Canada and making a big difference with this club. It's been fantastic so far. Uh, thanks for spending some time with us on Monday. We enjoy it. Thank you so much, everyone. Appreciate it. Nice thank to you. See, nice to see Bye. you again. You too. Thank you, Carlos. We'll see you again soon. Uh, the Carlos Gonzalez, who Charlie is making an enormous difference. This is fun. It's a fun yeah. team to watch, and this league is better uh, for the quality that is on the pitch in the nation's capital right now. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, every team that uh, joins the fray as, as one of the top teams in the league is always good, and just yeah, the quality on the pitch from this club. You know, the the players that they have that are just so exciting to watch. Uh, there are very good things happening in Ottawa. Uh, it's it's a very exciting club on and off the pitch. So, you know, I, I think that they're definitely going to be uh, kind of knocking on the door of the playoffs come uh, come the fall. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, as we said, I think we called it quite early on this show, to be fair, that the four teams yeah. who were in the playoffs last season, uh, to use a great term by the great Mitchell Tierney, were put on notice uh, by <laughs> Atletico Ottawa immediately. No, they were like, oh boy, this is not the same club uh, as yeah. that team. Um, talking of one of those clubs... Uh, let's bring in Alex Gangarusik, who was with uh, the game this weekend in well, the Wanderers grounds. Halifax Wanderers defeat York United by one goal to nil. AGR, great to see you, my man. Uh, sorry you didn't get to cover a game on Sunday, but we did get to cover a game on Saturday, so we'll go there. Uh, what were your thoughts on a very tight, congested game in front of a packed house again at the Wanderers grounds? Yeah, I mean, heading into to the game, I kind of expected uh, something cagey. You kind of looked at the numbers. I think heading in, it was something like 10 of 12 meetings have been decided either by a draw or one goal. So for whatever reason, York and Halifax, they, they match up well. We saw it on opening day where it was a very tightly contested game. And uh, we saw a lot of that in this. I mean, one thing I, I think back to is when Stephen Hart, after the game, I kind of asked him about uh, you know his thoughts on the game and the thoughts with the battle with York. He was even surprised about how York came out, missing a couple defenders, 
Uh, they still had all of their attackers, yet they played so direct. And, and as a result, it led to a very physical game, especially in the midfield. It was all sorts of duels on the ground, in the air. Uh, it ended up being a real battle, a kind of war of attrition of sorts. And then, in a sense, it led to, to this fitting end to the game where it was decided on a moment. It was decided on a penalty because up until that point, it was super cagey. It was on, on a knife's edge. And I think that's really just a, an indication of, I guess, how these teams match up, how they like to play, the, the quality that they have, that it takes a moment for, for you know, one team to, to break through and grab all three points. And on this day, Halifax was the, the key team that came out on top. I guess they have York's number now, uh, six points from their, their first two meetings, both decided by penalties, both decided by one goal. And, and I'm, I'm sure on York's side, They'll, they'll wonder if they, you know, one penalty here, one goal here, one shot here, they could have been easily, you know, with three to six points themselves. So I guess it just shows how uh, how tightly they match up. Yeah, Alex, you mentioned with York just the changes that they had to make to the 11 in this game. You know, obviously, Deity Nabsi, Chris Navigensa, Isaiah Johnston all suspended for this game. Uh, you, know, you, you wrote a little bit about it in your match analysis, how the defense was still solid nonetheless with, you know, Mateo Hernandez and Eduardo Jesus at fullback, but... How much did you see them missing those players who have been regular starters week in, week out for them? I guess you know it in, in little ways, say. Like, I think with Insa and, and Abzi in particular, you really miss that sort of... Because the thing is with Abzi and Insa, I mean, they're going to they're gonna provide defensive, you know, work in Martin Nash's system. Martin Nash's system mm -hmm. solid like that. That's the reason why Jesus and Hernandez slotted in and didn't miss a beat there. I think you really miss the ball progression. I think especially Insa is very underrated in that that regard it's this year where he might not be getting up the pitch as much, but he's played such a crucial role in, in progressing uh, up the flanks and, and getting, you know, York's, uh, you know, attacking players into good positions. And I think that's where uh, maybe, you know, York missed some of their, their guys uh, on that regard, but I thought defensively their system didn't skip a beat, and I think that that's credit to to Martin Nash. You can kind of see the the philosophy that they've instilled defensively, where if it's Roger Thompson, Jordan Wilson, Dominic Zator at center back, whoever it is at fullback, even if it's a midfielder like uh, Hernandez, they can kind of keep that sort of defensive solidity and not, you know, sacrifice that side of the game. What remains a work in progress, and he says he admits it every time you, you ask Martin Nash. It's something that he's you know not you know immune to in a sense. It's figuring out the offensive pieces because again, you look at you might be missing some players, but still there's so much talent there. He recognizes that he's just figuring out how can you get them going, how can you get the most out of them. But defensively, he's not a problem. We saw that in this game, and I, I was impressed that they kept that that solidity, and it kind of showed how how good of a system they've built. Let's get more into the York attack in a second. Before we do so, let's go back to the Wanderers grounds. Here's their thoughts or their reaction to their boss, Martin Nash. No, I, you know, I thought we, we came and performed a game plan. I had 13 players available today, um, so really thin. So I, you know, I had a couple 16-year-olds uh, called into the squad just last minute and just have enough numbers in case I needed them. But uh, it made it tough. You know, we had to pretty much go the distance with 11 guys. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm proud of them. What a great effort. Just uh, merely made one mistake and got punished, to be fair. And, uh, you know, it's a couple games now we haven't scored. But, um, you know, played, I think, arguably four or five guys out of position today just to feel the team. So, um, you know, hopefully we can get some guys back healthy and, and get guys in their most comfortable position and uh, carry forward. So. 
they're on the ropes a bit. They are on the ropes, no doubt, a little bit. I mean, defensively, AGR, you said it. That I think you know we would say, and we've said it consistently on the show, one of the best, if not the best, defensive teams in the CPL, right? But opening up teams, you alluded to. I think it's four games in a row now without a goal. But to pick up on Nash's point, no Ensign, no Thompson, no Absey, no Johnson, no Ferrari, no Minitel, no Petrasso, no Ricci. I mean, that's a significant chuck away from anything. Cabrera's playing and isn't fit. Nowhere near fit. He could. He should have scored in the first half. Hernandez was brilliant, I thought, for most of the game, and certainly the first half creates a great chance, and, and Cabrera doesn't put it away. But let's go back and be fair. On the other side, when those players, those aforementioned players, have been playing at a lot of those games, York scored six goals this season. Right? They scored two screamers from Di Rosario. They've got a penalty. That's three. Uh, Gutierrez's brilliant individual goal against Forge. That's four. Zator's goal against Ottawa, which is from a set play, that's five. So you're really only looking at the Minitel header from Isaiah Johnson's brilliant quality move. That They've actually had any kind of fluidity in their play to create something at the end. That's a concern, I think. And I think that's something they need to figure out going forward. Would you agree, Charlie? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely would. I think, you know, we've, we've spoken about it. it. It feels like too many times now, but it is that that final third, just that kind of open play, being able to... You know, not just advance the ball, but to find the better spaces, find those touches in the box. Uh, you know, Alex, you spoke about the ball progression from the fullbacks. It has been very good. Abzi and, and Ensa are extremely good in that regard. But it's just those those quicker movements in the box, that kind of one-touch pass to play somebody in to to find those, you know, those higher percentage spaces in the box that, that they can score from more easily so that you're not relying on, you know, Gutierrez to completely dance around one of the best defenders in the league or Di Rosario to score a screamer from outside the box because that's not a consistent or a, a sustainable way to find all your attack from. So definitely, you know, something something still needs to needs to budge for this team where they will, for them to be able to find just a few more of those, you know, I, I want to say easier goals for lack of a better term. Yeah, what did you think about Halifax AGR? Because again, they you know they came off that TFC game with a lot of positivity, but we have to remember before that they got thrashed by Forge uh, in a game that Stephen Hart was not happy with. So again, just watching those highlights, the atmosphere looks fantastic. It's a packed day on a Saturday. Um, Jeff asked in the chat actually about tactically what are they doing without Morelli? I think it's pretty clear now that they've got you know Daniels in a pivotal role and everybody kind of working from the front and pressing high and getting involved in this game and in, in, in tactically in the, in the way that they play the system. Yeah. With Halifax, what I'm most impressed with is the structure that their midfield gives them. Right. And I think that's kind of been the, the biggest part with of how they've been able to adjust without Morelli is how just every, every game I've seen of them, no matter who they're playing, Andre Rampersad and Jeremy Gagnon Lapare, just the combo of Rampersad uh, you know, he was winning all sorts of duels in the air. I think he won something like nine of 13 duels, including seven of nine in the air, something absurd like that. He's, you know, he's covers ground. He's ergonomic. He he, he kind of just glides across the pitch. And then you add in Gagnon Lapare, who kind of does all the progressing and, and pushing forward. It's hard to, to, to beat a team who's so dominant in midfield. And, and you, that kind of frees up space for someone like Daniels, who played in the midfield. You know, when you have two guys like that behind you, Daniel is a creative player. He's not thinking about tracking back. He's not thinking about having to get stuck in the tackles because he's got two great players doing that job for him. And it kind of allows him to be a little more free. It allows, you know, whoever you have in that front three, you know, if it's Corey Bent coming off the bench, if it's Sam Salter, if it's Akeem Garcia, you know, et cetera. 
they're also not worried about what's going on in midfield. They can kind of just focus on staying up the pitch, getting into one-on-ones, uh, getting creating a moment. And that's the thing I, that with Halifax this year is when they're at their best, they're, they're dominant in midfield, their back four is staying relatively solid, and they're capitalizing on moments. You look at games where they're not doing that, like Forge, they, they you know they lost a little bit the the midfield battle they weren't as good defensively and it all kind of falls apart from there so i think uh it, it was interesting to see because heading into the game they'd only won four uh, or gotten four out of nine points at home which was unusual i don't think you know something that's we're used to seeing from the wanders yet in this game they look like themselves they had their structure they get a, a home win it's no coincidence in my opinion i think when i've seen them at their best it, it all starts with that midfield and kind of it, it seems to give them confidence elsewhere uh, great stuff, Alex. Appreciate it, my man. Uh, keep up the great work. Read Alex's stuff on campio.ca and, of course, at One Soccer. And uh, we'll chat with you next week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Alex. Before we wrap up this game, let's go back to the Wanderers grounds and hear from their head coach. Here's Stephen Hart. Yeah, it, it, it was a difficult game to, to decipher because, uh, you know, you, you come with a plan of, of how York is going to build out the back and, and then they didn't. They, they play direct. Yeah. And they had some big boys, you know, so it was. It became a second ball game, you know. And uh, it, it just seems that when, when we got the ball into good position, when I say good position, let's say the attacking third or in around the penalty area, we just gave it away. We just gave it away and we gave it away. And you, 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 I just had a feeling it was going to be one of those games that's going to come down to a set play or a mistake or, or something because we were not at our best. And I'd be the first to admit that. And uh, their, their direct game that they were playing, they were completely prepared for that because they were winning the second balls or they were getting their foot in when we tried to control it. So it, it, was, it was ugly. Let's face it. A really honest assessment again, and he's a happy man, no doubt about it. Uh, let's put up the standings. Here's a worst standings. Here's what we look for from the Canadian Premier League right now. As Pacific are top 10 games played on 18 points, but Ottawa with a game in hand. That's right, the game in hand. Uh, and they have just one point back of them. Cavalry have two games in hand and on 14 points from eight. Forge have three games in hand. Three. <laughs> three games in hand and are still in the playoffs uh, with 11 points from seven. Halifax, 11 points from eight. Valor, uh, York suddenly slipping down the table after a difficult few weeks for them and FC Edmonton, of course, at the basement. Uh, Charlie, your thoughts on this as you look at this? Uh, my immediate thought is it's incredibly unforgiving. <laughs> you know, I think it was only a couple weeks ago that it felt like York were, were third or, or, or somewhere in around that spot and all yeah. of a sudden they have a, a dry spell and they're seventh. So this is, it's very tight. It's very tight. Atletico, you know, making a push on Pacific who have a pretty tough schedule coming up. They have to, as we're going to see in a sec, they have to go to forge next weekend. And then I think they have to go to York the weekend after that. Uh, so a few weeks from now, this could look very different once again, especially if Ottawa continue to roll and cavalry continue to play well after they've had uh, some time off the last week or so. So uh, it's very tight. It's very exciting. And obviously a very, very, very long way still to go with about two thirds of the season left on the table. Yeah, Forge away, York away, and then Halifax and Cavalry at home. Uh, so difficult yeah. games coming up uh, for the champs. Uh, let's take a look at next week's schedule. Oh, just a couple of games, but we do have three games after that. But next weekend, uh, two big games, no doubt about it. 
um, almost playoff feel like atmosphere games. Calvary get another game yeah. at home. They'll be delighted to get back after being a week off because of the Canadian Championship game uh, this weekend. And then a rematch of the final as Forge take on Pacific in the come on match of the week. You can watch that, of course, like all games live on One Soccer. Uh, before we finish, though, we'll go back to Tim Horton's field and we just recap the penalty shootout. We started the show with it, so let's finish it. Uh, before we get Charlie and I and my thoughts on the penalties and we recap everything, here's my interview after the game with Toronto FC goalkeeper Quinton Westbrook. With Quinton Westberg after a dramatic penalty shoot, how did that feel to come on the right end of this one? Oh, it feels good. It feels good. We'll take any trophy, anyways, anyhow. You know, there's not a lot of uh, rationality in cup games. It means the level between CPL and MLS is uh, is really getting closer and closer. So that's super promising for Canadian soccer. We're, we're trying to live the, the soccer in this country. Uh, we may not be Canadian citizens for some of us, but we, we really hope great things for, for the country and the soccer. And I think Forge uh, we played really, really well tonight. So I think it's uh, it feels even better because, uh, yeah, they, they, they were a lot of trouble throughout the evening. And, and to come out on the right end is, uh, is super positive. Q, that's a fantastic point you mentioned there. Did they surprise you a little bit how good they were? Or was it overall, could you enjoy the game? Because a lot of people say what a fantastic final it was. Yeah, well, I didn't, didn't really enjoy it because they, uh, they, played, they played really well. Honestly, they played in a super interesting 4-3-3. They were super brave on the ball. Their build, that was tremendous. Honestly, uh, they caused a lot of problems. And even us trying to be brave and, you know, matching one-on-one -on -one throughout the field, they were able to turn and win duels and create chances and yeah honestly you know well done honestly well done they played really well and uh it's promising for cpl canadian soccer and ontario what about the penalty shootout what were you thinking during that moment and how big of a save was it on becca to get that momentum back for you uh yeah I th honestly yeah saving it at this moment was pretty important and I wanted to stay, you know, having dove three times. I wanted to stay on my feet a little bit. I knew he had missed one. Last penalty shootout, so I figured he was going to change. And plus, being very skillful, uh, I'm thinking he was confident enough to hit down the middle close enough. So I was happy with the reaction. You know, it's just, you know, it's a little gamble. I, I like to play, and it, it turned out uh, positive for us tonight. Well, congratulations. I know you and I have had a lot of discussions about penalty shootouts over the years. So Can't tell the secrets. Can't tell the we will secrets. not tell the secrets, but congratulations on, on, the, on the winner's medal. Thanks a lot, KJ. Thank you. Just a great guy. Uh, some great yeah. points in that interview. A very short interview, but listen to very what he has to say about soccer in general. Uh, obviously, he's got kids here. He loves it. The thoughts about the Canadian Premier League and uh, the mindset of stopping that Cal Becker penalty. Often people just watch penalty shootouts, Charlie, and think... First of all, it drives me crazy when people say it's a lottery. Uh, the mindset right there, of, you know, he understood Cal Becker knew he missed one last year against Montreal and he knew this time I'm going to keep on my feet. Uh, very similar a little bit to what he thought about Joseph Martinez when he made that penalty. Now this with Westberg, I talk about him oh, yeah. against Joseph Martinez that Quinton and I spoke about a lot. And I have spoke a lot about penalty shootouts to Quinton Westberg over the years. And I know he's fascinated in a lot of the mindset about it, but... It just goes to show you, right? They do a lot of research on this and uh, he felt Becker might go a little bit more that way. And in the end, that was crucial because when you're up in penalty shootouts, particularly when you're hitting second, that fourth, that fourth taker is massive. It, mm -hmm. it, people have to understand the value of every kick. But when you're taking the eighth penalty and the other team has already missed and you've been perfect so far, if you score that, the percentage of wins goes miles higher because you put so much pressure on the next taker so when Becker missed the fifth taker for TFC, 
actually didn't have to score, but he would have if Becker would have scored. That's why that one was so pivotal, Charlie. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely was, man. A penalty shootout is the purest distillation of the drama and, and ups and downs and roller coaster of any sporting event. It's just unbelievable. Uh, do you speak to kind of the, the research and the preparation? Both Bob and Michael Bradley said after the game that you know, the day before in training, they'd run through a full penalty shootout. They split into teams. They had to, they stood on the, on the halfway line. They would have players, you know, walk to the ball, place the ball and do it entirely in that in that scenario to be prepared for all of the tiny little details that go into that right and obviously they they scouted all of forge's penalty takers you know forge have been in two penalty shootouts in the last couple of years and they haven't gone their way unfortunately so this is definitely a lot of preparation that goes into it so it's it's just fascinating to to hear particularly from the mind of a goalkeeper just what's going through your head during those moments and where you know the pressure is so high yeah, I love them. You know that, though. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I yeah. absolutely love them. Uh, and I've spoken to many times and uh, got my own video on it. And uh, yeah, me and Schweinsteiger sat for a long time. I asked him a lot of things about Neuer and I had some <laughs> video around that. And uh, I may have shared that with a couple of penalty takers and different things on the weekend as well. But yeah, lots of special moments. But uh, congratulations to Toronto FC and congratulations to Forge uh, for just a remarkable mm -hmm. night. A great night with so many people that were there supporting both teams. I heard from, saw, spoke to, got messages from. They just had a wonderful night, Charlie. That was overall the feeling, no, as we all walked out of that stadium, that despite the fact that Forge didn't pull it off, I think people went and had pints with them and, and celebrated amongst the fan great fan groups. And, uh, you know, just to have that kind of night for, for, this, for this league, we'll finish on that. I think that was pretty special. Yeah, it was so much fun. I think it was really cool having kind of dueling supporters sections with obviously the, was, the Street yeah. battalion in their in their usual section and then across the pitch from them is kind of the the designated tfc section and it was awesome you could hear at certain points of the match one group would pick up the noise a little bit more and the other side would match them i mean i think at, i think at the end of the day I, I would say the the forge support was a little louder there was a little more of them in in their home stadium but uh it was just an unbelievable atmosphere during the penalties especially uh, just the, the way that both sides were trying to pick up their team. It was just an awesome, awesome night for a matchup that we've, as we've said before, wanted to see for a very long time. Yeah, and great piece by you. Congrats, man. That was fantastic on Saturday night. Um, for those of you watching live, we are a team here. You hear from Charlie and I. Thanks to Mitchell, to Benedict, to AGR, uh, to Nick and Jeff behind the scenes, and also to Kenny Edwards as well, who put together a marvelous piece and recapping our coverage on Saturday night. Uh, from Tim Hortons Field. So as a treat to you, if you're still watching live, here's the premiere of that piece. Thanks again, thanks again for everybody for watching. Enjoy what was a special night on Saturday. It's 90 minutes of football, gentlemen. When you were U9s, you remember that moment you lifted a trophy, yeah? That feeling is still the same today. That's what we want. In 90 minutes, we want that feeling. In 90 minutes, we want that feeling, but we got to die out there. Be dominant in what you do. Be dominant in possession and be ferocious in the way you defend. Come out there with the energy. You'll walk out into a pitch, you'll walk out into the stadium. That's going to make noise for you today. Feed off of that, but play our football. Possession, position, pressure. Always in your head. Play is done, we get back into it. We get back into it. We have to sweat, we have to work, we have to hurt each other in 90 minutes. We have to go out there and give everything that we have so that we come in here and we enjoy it and we're champions. Let's have a good one, guys. Come on. Go! Go! Take off! 
question is, even with his shape, do we keep him in a box, though? Campbell gets a shot. Westberg with a great reaction. There, he just has to ping one long ball. Pozuelo, two touches. Fires, what a shot! Burgess. Hey, Burgess! Burgess! Bubakar Sissoko. That's a nice ball for Burgess. A chance again! Burgess! The equalizer! Play football and play with heart. Play football and put it with heart. The thing is, is once we put Quasi in, we're done, huh? We can't get Noah in. In the midfield. Aaron, David, Rubes, Gracie, Alex. Yeah, that's the big. All right, bravo, boys. Bravo. Got a penalty. Yeah, if you want one, huh? If you smile, you got one. You got one, huh? You got one, huh? You got a penalty? Bravo. Bravo, Dom. Let's go! Let's hey, go. hey, listen up, listen up. Listen up, listen up, listen up. Woods, got one. T, you got one. Alex, you got one. Uh, who else are we at? Dex, uh, Dex wants one, and Dave has one. You're six. Who wants, who wants number one? Two, Terran wants two. Alex goes one. You go four, Dom goes five. Now for the fans. Jesus Jimenez will shoot first for TFC. Stutters! Beats Harry. One nil TFC. Alex Ashinyoni Janssen keeps it along the ground. And ties it The start of round number three. And it's wide! TFC have missed! Another big moment for Becker. And he's stopped by Westbrook. To extend the shootout, they go off the crossbar, it stays out! Poku is missed, and Toronto FC will be lifting the Voyager's Cup! All right, gentlemen. Listen up. I know this one hurts, huh? Uh, and why it hurts, it's normal because you were the dominant team on the field. You're the team that did everything you needed to do to win this game. And that's the cruel side of this uh, beautiful sport. You know, as beautiful as it is, sometimes it brings moments um, that are tough. But we have to take what we did today and carry it with us forward. Uh, because today we've put in a performance. We've put in a performance of a championship team of a championship mentality. We dominated, we created the chances, we created everything that we needed to do. We went down, we came back into it, and again we created. But you gotta keep on doing it. This one is gonna sting, but it only has to sting for tonight, that's it. After tonight, it's done and we roll. We've got business to take care of in the league, right? Everything else, guys, I'm extremely proud of you guys. You were brilliant on the field, tactically. We were brilliant in everything we needed to do. Going forward, there's no excuse. There's no excuse because we can do it. It's just a matter of our minds. It's just a matter of our minds. And one day, the ball's not going to go in. The next day, it's going to go in five times. So we just got to keep it up. Again, this is going to sting, but I'm extremely proud of everything and everyone, what we've done in this game. To do what we do, we got to carry it forward, guys. All right? That's it. Come on. All right? Let's go. Turn some music up in the room. Come on. The game is done.